0: But I always start off with just getting background to so where, where, where exactly, because we have an international artist um, audience, where, where exactly are you from?
1: I'm, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Wow. Mm-hmm. Born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. I live about 10 minutes from Brooklyn now in Long Island. And it's, it's a part of New York called Valley Stream. Okay. Yep. And uh, on the I- East Coast of the United States.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, I think a lot of us are very familiar with New York films yeah. and everything. <laughs> but during those days, how did you did you were you always into music when you were growing up?
1: Um, I I was because my dad was a church musician. He played uh the piano and organ in church, so I started playing the piano and organ in church as well. So by the time I I guess around eight eight between eight and ten years old, I started playing the piano at church, and uh-huh. that that became my job. All the way up through high school, like every Sunday I would play the piano. Um, on Tuesdays I would teach the choir songs, and wow. that's kind of, that's how I got my start in music in a Baptist church.
0: And I think we, you know, uh, most of our, us who aren't American would not be surprised because we've seen from lots of stories that a lot of R&B artists started to hone their skills from the church it seems as if yeah. the church was a factory of musicians or something like that yeah
1: factory of musicians and you all and you always had an audience you know wow. every sunday you, you was in front of an audience so it kind of gave you a little bit of courage of performing and um you know just playing good music you know
0: so but those days you focused on 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 playing what about the singing part was
1: um, at the beginning, I really wasn't into singing that much. I, I could teach parts and do the harmonies. Even at the beginning of intro, I was more of the producer than a singer. Just just like within between the first album and the second album, I kind of really started, you know, from working with Kenny Green, God bless the soul. I learned a lot about singing. He was like my, my vocal coach and... Um, Prior to that, I had wanted to be a producer and maybe if luck had it, a rapper. I really wasn't <laughs> okay. into singing, you know, I was just into doing the music.
0: Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. So back back when you were in, in, in high school and, and playing, who, who were your influences musically? Um, things people that you used to listen to yeah. really?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, James Ingram.
0: Okay, yes, I remember that one. James
1: Ingram. Head. It's real. Uh, DeBarge. Oh, El- is it the group or, or just L? El- uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the group. Love Me in a Special Way, like those songs right there. Yeah. Because they, they sound like gospel songs, but they were R&B songs. So yeah. they really they caught my ear. Luther Vandross. Oh, Luther exactly. Let me see, who else? Um, so many, man. No Addition, you know, <laughs> during that time. Not so much musically, but like the whole fat of it you know the whole movement was like phenomenal I was like man that gotta be so much fun you know
0: yeah and then during that time you you you, did you did you have your heart set on being a full-time performer or was it just like stuff you did on Sundays and
1: yeah it was stuff that I did on Sundays I actually I I wanted to be a baseball player I had my heart set on playing baseball and um I just knew all the way through high school that I just wanted to be a baseball player, like me and my friends. And um, it was one day during baseball practice, the army recruiters walked out of the school and they started yelling at me. They was like, what are you doing after high school? What are you doing after high school? And I was like, I don't know. So they came out onto the baseball field and started talking to me about joining the army. And I just just got sucked in. I went and I took the test. And as a senior in high school, I joined the army.
0: What, did your dad say okay,
1: good luck, son? Or what was um, it? My, my parents were pretty much, you know, like I said, w- I was working pretty much since I was like ten years old. You know, I, I had a job and I was pretty much supporting myself. I was living at home with them. Yeah. But they they kind of trust my judgment, and I we did have a conversation. My father was like, D- "You don't want to go to college?" I was like, I, "Cause I have a sister that's right underneath me." So I was like, "I've ever heard her take the money." and go to college, because I know she'll apply herself. If I go to college, I'm just going for the, what I've seen, like chasing the girls and the parties. And you know that's definitely what I would've went to college for. So I say, yeah, I'm going to go into the military. So um, had I known then what I know now, then I probably would've played baseball. Because the funny thing is, right, my father, he never took me to baseball games. So most of the time that I was watching baseball, it was on television. And yeah. by watching baseball on television, everybody looks like a giant. So I was like, I'm too small to be a professional baseball player. Even though I was good and I had the skills and everything, I would say to myself, oh, I'm too small to play baseball. Then later on, I started meeting professional baseball players that were smaller than me, or like the average of them was like my, my size. Yeah, and yeah. so I kind of like faked myself out of that. But um, my, and my friends that I was playing with, ever since we were little kids, they just stuck with it. They're like, yeah, we're going to get some money playing baseball. And they went and played professional baseball. Yep.
0: <laughs> he came to the All
1: went into the NBA, NFL and um, um, NLP. Um, yep, MLP. One went to the Brewers. Wow, one the went ball. to the Seattle Mariners. He was roommates with Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> oh, god! <goodness. Yeah. laughs> and these so were my friends. Good. You know, so I've, I always felt like if I would have stuck with baseball, I would have had like equal success with baseball and music. But I'm glad I got into music. Yeah, I definitely have no regrets. It's been a phenomenal experience.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you joined the army. Um mm-hmm. I would take it, you know, you have to you have to be eighteen before they let you join in?
1: Yeah. I joined in I joined in March and I went in August 30th. I was 18 when I went in.
0: Okay. Yep. And and so when what's well, what I mean, what year was
1: this? This was a long time ago, nineteen
0: eighty-four. <laughs> okay. So I was thinking eighty four, so I'm thinking what, what what was going on in, in eighty-four
1: it was Indian. pretty calm it wasn't really yeah, any I was, yeah it wasn't iraq
0: hadn't on. started anything like that or yeah. afghanistan
1: so that's that's what i ended up getting out after that war i stayed through that war and that's when intro kicked off right after excuse me right after that war that's
0: after the intro. okay so, you, so during that time in in the army what did you put away your music and just focus on the army what were you able to do
1: Um, Well, that's where I met the lead singer, Kenny Green. I met him in the army. He was in the army as well at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So we started intro while we were in the army. Like we go to the recreation center. I played the piano and he would just be writing songs like really, really quick. And during that time on vacation, I drive up to New York and my friend had a studio in his house so we go over to his house and start recording songs. And while we were there, this lady heard us and she said, you know, you guys should try to do this professionally. And we just, we just- But,
0: but up to then, was it a case where it was just a fun thing or what was, what was going on between the two of you?
1: Yeah, it was, it was fun. Just making music was fun because he, he loved to write songs and I love to play music. Yeah. We didn't know anything about the business of music. You know, so it was, we, was
0: Kenny ever into? did he ever think when he was in the army that, okay, I want to become a professional singer or
1: writer? Or was it just, oh, we was just, we were just doing it at the time until people started telling us that, you know, you guys sound, have a nice sound. You should go forward with it. So yeah. what was it
0: like then in the army? It was Kenny would write stuff, <laughs> you would start playing and would you perform to your, to the, to the, to the
1: um, they, they had local talent shows. Yeah. Yeah. So we, there was this one place in particular, and every Wednesday they had a talent show with uh, I think it was like a $100 prize and a trophy. Okay. And the same girl would win every week, every week. And we kind of put our finger on it, that it was an inside job. Like they, they did it so they could draw people in for the to pal it up, but they would always announce her as the winner, give her the same trophy and who knows if they even gave her $100. And we fought our way through it until the crowd was like, undeniable, these guys are winning this show, but you keep giving it to her. So they started, you know, through applause, they end up having to give us the $100 and the trophy one week. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> they but, we were pretty much not welcome back there. <laughs> but but this was it within the Army or was it outside this, the Army? This, this when we, we, no, it was outside the Army base. It was a civilian club. It was called, uh, called uh, Larry's. La Shaka Lounge in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Okay, this was, <laughs> after, like after After we started winning the talent shows, they canceled it because he didn't want to have to give somebody $100 and a new trophy every week. Wow.
0: So, so yeah. it, it, when you guys, would, would you just play and then Kenny would sing?
1: Um, during that time, we started doing our own tracks. Like there was somebody who had a studio in the barracks as well, in the army barracks. Yeah. So I would go there and I would lay down the music and we would sing to the recorded music.
0: Okay. Wow. And um, when you guys were winning, getting people applauding and stuff, Mm -hmm. to you, this was just fun. We're back in the army, we're doing our thing. And then when we get out, we just go into civilian life. And was that
1: what, or was there any other thought? I thought I was going to be in the army for 20 years. You know, I had okay. when I went into the military, I was planning on making it a career. And um, once the war broke out and everything, I kind of saw like that life really wasn't for me. And then at the same time, the music had started coming up. And um, I came across a female artist named Layla Hathaway. I came across oh, this yeah. one of her cassette. Not the Donna I, Hathaway. Is she related
0: to Donna Hathaway?
1: That's his daughter. Okay, okay, okay. She is phenomenal. Layla Hathaway.
0: Yeah, is, yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, I said, she sounds like Kenny or Kenny sounds like her. I think we could really do this professionally if we wanted to. So, um, but we didn't know anybody in the music industry. We didn't have any connections, you know, and it just so happened by chance, you know, that we started meeting people.
0: Yeah, so... Do you, do you both come out at the same time from the army? Do you both quit at the same time, or do you go first and then he follows? Or What, what was the, was, was the problem?
1: Uh, Kenny left the military about six months before I did. Okay, He left right before the war started. I got deployed. I had to go to um, Saudi Arabia and Iraq. When I came back, Kenny had left North Carolina and went back home. And I didn't have any contacts from him at all. I didn't know where to find him or nothing. It took me, like, about three or four months once I got back to get back in touch with him.
0: Yeah. Okay. And, um, but when you got back, you you went back to your folks' house in New York?
1: Um. Yes. I moved back okay. in with Mom, yep.
0: And then when you got home, did you then start thinking, because I would all assume that New York had more music connections than anywhere else. Was it easy to, to start making connections or...?
1: Well, while, while I was still in the Army, we came up to New York, and we met Heavy D. Oh. God bless Heavy D. You know, we, we met Heavy D in a club, and we sang for him. And he took our phone number, and he called us while I was still back in North Carolina in the Army to come up to New York to meet with DJ Eddie F. So we came up, and we met with DJ Eddie F, and that's when he offered us um, a recording contract.
0: But... By this time, was Heavy not the president of Uptown, or was he not vice president of
1: Uptown? No, he he, was, no, he wasn't the president at that time. He was. Um, it was still Andre Harrell. Like, okay. This was like 1991.
0: 91, okay, so Andre. But then how, the, why didn't he take
1: you to Uptown? Because um, they had Jodeci. Ah, yeah, they, they had Jodeci at that time. Okay. And uh, Devontae Were you guys- wanted us to sign the swing mob, but um, Untouchables wanted us to, to sign with their um, production company.
0: So you've got Devante, who was probably one of the best producers at the time, the hardest mm-hmm. producers at the time, and you had E.D.F., um, who hadn't done many not things that were not, um, you know, he, Untouchables grew after um, after the Mary stuff, but it wasn't mm-hmm. as big at that time. What made right. you pick E.D.F. over Devante?
1: Because um, we had already met with Eddie and agreed that, you know, we were going to sign with Untouchables. We didn't meet Devontae until probably months after we met Eddie. We met Devontae through Eddie. So we wouldn't, you know, say, all right, thank you, but we're going to go work for this guy.
0: Okay. Yeah, okay. So, so um, yeah. did we, when you performed for for Eddie, um, did, he, did he have a did – did you, did you guys already have the name of, of the group?
1: Yeah, we we came to Eddie's intro because pr- prior to meeting Eddie, um, there was a guy in New York, a Russian guy named Ed Goldsman. He had a house music label, so he brought us into his studio to record a house music song, and it was called "Under Your Spell." It's still on the internet somewhere. Intro, "Under Your Spell," and he put it out. We, you know we just signed the paperwork. We didn't know what we were signing or whatever. Uh-huh. We just let him put it out and um, he wouldn't let us do r music because he wanted to do just house music, house music, house music. I finally convinced him to let us do two R&B records. So I produced two R&B records with him and that's when we met Eddie F. Like during that time while we were still signed with, with Ed Goldsman, we met Heavy D who introduced us to Eddie F and I didn't tell Eddie F that we already had a contract with this guy, Ed Goldsman. So I went to Ed Goldsman and we pretty much, we didn't explain to him that we were going to sign with another label. We pretty much told him that we were breaking up. We didn't want to work together anymore. He was like, oh, this is so unfortunate. And he signed us out of the deal. He released us from his label. And then that's when we were able to go on and do rhythm and blues music with um Heavy D and Eddie um, F.
0: Now, at that point, so hmm. you, could you mention the, a very crucial thing that a lot of my guests keep saying is about the business side of the music side. So there's a the, talent and then there's the business side oh yeah signed with ed did you so you he could have had taken everything that you've written and own it and you wouldn't have known
1: Well, yeah those three songs that we have that we did with him the house music record and the two rhythm and blues songs he has them on itunes now and he makes every penny from them. we don't make a single penny that was the agreement that we made with him but we didn't know you know at this point we're, we're in the army we, you know, just doing it pretty much for the fun of it. Yeah. But.
0: And and uh, then did did you then had what did you then when you when EDF presents you with a contract, do you then are you obliged to get legal advice uh, and not just because EDF but any type of contract or you just sign right there?
1: Oh no, you have to give it to an attorney. They, their attorney sends it. Their attorney sent it to our attorney and um how do we find our attorney yeah through them because we didn't know anything so we, <laughs> we pretty much let them pick the attorney so he's sending it to his friend and <laughs> they just work out whatever it takes to make the deal happen you know so
0: <laughs> I, I i interviewed um tabitha duncan from from cut close and she said that yeah, but the, you, yeah. you 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 get uh they give you you get an attorney and they all know each other they all
1: they all, know you know, other. They yeah. all know
0: each other they all know each other i interviewed dawn robinson from vogue and she said i an know an, an attorney that you might get might say well if i try and side my client against the record label i'm not gonna i've got other clients there that they may say well we're not going to work with you again so they're not as much as they'll try and do fair advice they're not going to be always in your corner
1: yeah, because the groups come and go you know the label is there they need that business from the label so
0: yeah, yeah. but but did you sign a, a deal that was for 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 the time was it a fair deal or was it really bad or what, what was your um, when you um, reflection
1: it was it was a standard RB deal during that time I think every r and b artist that I speak to that came through that through that era like the 90s like 92 93 94 it was pretty much the the same contract the only difference would be the the advance up front like what money how much money they would advance you up front which is nothing more than a loan because you have to pay that back before you start seeing your royalty money so with certain artists they would get like maybe fifty thousand dollars and then then you have another artist that may only get five thousand dollars yeah and um. that was just up to the label and how much they believed in the project and how much you know they were going to put behind it. So,
0: so uh, so um, up, um, Eddie F's label was um, had an uh, an outlet with Atlantic. What yes. about mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. when he signs you, does he need to go to Atlantic to say this is who I've got, and they have to issue to say yeah we're going to put you guys out, or he signs you and they just take take it, or? Yeah.
1: Yeah, at this point, um, we were signed to Untouchables. So technically, Untouchables had to deal with Atlantic. Yeah. My intro on album one. Then with the success of album one, then Atlantic brought us from Untouchables and we signed directly to Atlantic. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So we, we'll, um, um, maybe Sorry. so I don't miss anything. So when you go from Untouchables to Atlantic, Are you able to renegotiate your contract because you've you've got you've got um, you've got some leverage because you've had a very Mm -hmm. successful first album? Are you able to then get better terms? Yes, it's a
1: totally total different deal, totally different deal than the first deal.
0: Okay, and and at at that point, are you able to get an attorney that you trust? That's like, let's look at what's going on. Same guy. (laughs) <laughs> Same
1: guy. <laughs> <Okay>. Same guy. <laughs> okay. Hey, Mike Pantleoni, if you're watching, how you doing? <laughs> he's traveling the world. I see him on his Facebook page. He, he's traveling the world, having a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway,
0: you, and you, and it's good to clear it up because you um because yeah we've we've been hearing so many sad horror stories from the '90s that um uh, but it's good that at least you guys had a better opportunity after the second album.
1: One thing I can say about um, The Untouchables about EDF is he set us up pretty cool. He signed us up with the um, like ASCAP, you know, that's the Songwriting Society to collect yeah. our money for us. Um, American Federation for TV and Radio Artists, AFTRA. So they have, like, retirement funds and stuff like that. And when I speak to different artists, a lot of them don't have that stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, man, and I, uh, you know, I, I just stopped talking about it now because I don't want them to feel bad, you know. Like, why didn't, why didn't, why weren't they giving that stuff? But they, um, I think our deal was pretty fair. You know, yeah. I, I think I'm one of the artists that could say we put, we kind of got a kind of a, a, a fair deal. It, it could have been better. It could always be better. Yeah.
0: But, uh, but you know, and, and I would say that I've not heard any, anything negative about uh, ADF. And I know he's, he's into a lot of it, into investments and stuff right now. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I think the fact that you said he did sign you up to have your own publishing and stuff um, mm-hmm. is is very admirable because most people who had deals, um, labels, little production deals were looking to say we got robbed when we when we signed up, so we need to recoup our money through our little acts. Our acts, but it was good that you know he, he set you guys up from day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so here you guys are. You've got your name you start recording uh the, the first material now one how does family feel about okay you've come out of the army and now you're signed mm-hmm. to a record deal did um is, did they are they wondering if when you're going to be dealing uh, singing along with fred hammond or what was there? Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um not really like like my mom she was happy that i was out of the army because um during the war i'm sure she was like a nervous wreck yeah so she was number one she was just happy that i was out the army um she, um, well, it was my sister. My sister was really supportive, but at the same time, she wanted me to get a real job. You know, she's like, this music is fun, but, you know, you should, you should think about getting a real job. So um, it, it just so happened that um, I was probably home for about two months without, without the contract being kicked in and us receiving money. So I wasn't, like, laying around the house for a couple of years and hoping that, you know, this was going to happen. It just was um, just by luck, you know, by luck. It was time for me to leave the military and the music was right there. Wow! And I always say that's pretty much one of the things that saved me because I have a lot of friends that came out of the army with me that um, got some stuff going on, you know, yeah. kind of stuff that they saw, but I never experienced it, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a mental health therapist here in the UK, and so the PTSD and, and, yeah. and depression, there is this, the this sense of structure that the military... Does give discipline, this routine, mm-hmm. and I can imagine when you come out of that, if you don't have a purpose and a focus, you can be lost and a camar- camaraderie you'd have with friends and, and stuff because everyone's busy. I can imagine how yeah. that lifestyle can 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 really be um, be cause problems. Mm-hmm. What what but be, was music then the driving focus for you because that's that you know you're, you're dealing with. Oh a lot of uncertainty you're dealing with a lot of creativity a lot of work was that become that became like how are we going to get uh, this off how are we going to yeah, come that,
1: up with that, that that became our number one focus Kenny moved to New York and um we worked almost every day we were in the studio with somebody every day Jeff Red, Shinehead, Mary J Blige, Christopher Williams, Winans you know every seemed like if we wasn't working on our album we were at another studio working on somebody else's album. It's a lot of groups that came out in the nineties yeah. that have songs from us. So a lot of songs out there have intro actually singing their background for them. To, and that's how they, they was able to, to catch on and stuff. Yeah.
0: So if we, if we go through that then, because what, when, when Eddie, when you get signed, um, did they tell you, okay, start working on, on your album or what, how, what, what, what are those early days
1: like then or weeks? Um we go to Dave Hall's house, um, Navelle Hodge House. They all lived in Mount Vernon during the time. Okay. So we just drive up to Mount Vernon and whoever was available that night, we go there and just write songs and we get a call like the next day, like, hey man, Puffy heard this song, he wants it for Mary. What what do you think? He he wants four songs from you guys. Four songs? Yeah, he wanted four songs from us. Um Love No Limit, My Love, Reminisce. And Let Me Be The One. Let Me Be The One was written for Mary J. Blige, but she only had three slots left on the album, not four. So if she would have had that fourth slot, then yeah. she would have Let Me Be The One as well on uh, what's the 411 album.
0: So yeah. if you go back, I mean, you're talking about um, um, My Love, um, Reminisce, and what was the other one?
1: Love No um, Limit? Love No Limit, mm-hmm.
0: They, I mean, you know, I've, I've done a poll tonight to say who was our favourite 90s R&B act, and we had Mary, Tony Braxton, Mariah, um, Whitney Houston, and um, and Mary's winning almost by 50%. So that everyone acknowledges that you know in the 90s she dominated, especially that first album and stuff. Mm. You're writing these songs, and she's taken and, and and they've given it to her. Do you guys? feel like man that should be ours or were you like wow goodness our stuff
1: is out what was it going yeah, for you that was it, pretty much that just glad to hear it on the radio because we hadn't had an album out yet we never knew if intro would ever have a song on the radio yeah like when, when she took those songs we weren't even signed to atlantic yet we were still just signed to untouchables um we did a, a bunch of songs and what eddie did was on one friday night he invited the top like the presidents from all of the labels, like Sylvia Rhone and Gerald Busby, and wow, everybody that you could think of, to his house for dinner, and the whole night all he played was intro songs. <laughs> so that Monday, his phone was ringing like because they had the the party. They remember the party, and they remember that music that they was hearing at the party. So they called him on on Monday, and like the a few days after Monday, I think it was that Thursday, he was like, um, you you guys got a deal at Atlantic, yeah. So I
0: mean, what dancing. tracks did
1: you have that? What, what tracks were played? Um, yeah, but pretty much like Love Thing, Let Me Be the One. Um, we had Ribbon done at that time. No, we may not have had Ribbon done. We had songs that never were released. It's like um, Why Don't You Love Me, that's one of the earlier songs that we had done. And then songs that didn't make the album were, were playing at night. It was just stuff that we recorded. Yep, wow, and so. <laughs> <laughs> what,
0: the, did he, did he, how did he pick the better deal, you know, in Atlantic? He didn't, Sylvia, I mean, did he, he had all these guys, yeah. but what made him decide? Does he say why he put,
1: chose Atlantic? Now, that, that was, that was behind the scenes, but I know Kevin Whitley had something to do with it. Kevin Whitley was um, working at Columbia Records at the time, and he wanted to bring us to Columbia Records, right? Yeah. So Kevin was able to negotiate a deal for himself at Atlantic Records, as long as he brought, you know, he's bringing intro with him to Atlantic Records. So okay. Okay. I think that's how it went. I think that's how it went. I'm not sure because I think he was there with Invoke. So yeah, I can't, I can't validate that story. That's a story <laughs> that I heard, but I, it doesn't make sense to me.
0: <laughs> but in this, in a sense, I think when you do have open up a bidding war, you can get, you know, because you know, at, Atlantic didn't have who when you guys got signed. Even with EDF onto Atlantic, who who any who, who were the r and that they um,
1: had? The RBX they had was um Ru boys.
0: Oh yeah, Ru boys.
1: Okay. And Levert.
0: So okay, so they were they were in in a sense they were very different from you guys, and and I can see why there there was a different market for, mm-hmm. for, for for promoting you guys, um, and I, and I want to go back because the fact that you guys were signed to AppScout and you had your own publishing stuff start early on. It meant that the success for the 401 album meant success for you guys. Did you was was that the case?
1: Yeah. Well, what we did was we we were going to do different publishing deals. So Kenny took the credit on the Mary J. Blige songs, and he got the publishing deal, and we split the money on that. Then I was going to do a publishing deal, and then we would split the money on that. But the problem with that was the first publishing deal that went down, you know, it wasn't. It didn't go down like we really wanted it to. Like we kind of got tricked, and I and I I, I don't have no problem giving the numbers. For instance, they call us in. It's like okay, we're gonna we're gonna sign, we're gonna do this publishing deal. Um, we're gonna give you guys up front seventy thousand dollars. But we need to do the deal today. Boom, did the deal for seventy thousand dollars, um, advance right. About. Mm. Well, Two weeks later, the quarter the quarter breaks and the numbers come in from the album. So had we not did it for seventy thousand dollars, we could have did it for like two hundred thousand dollars. But we didn't know the business, and nobody told us that. So that kind of shunned us away from doing more publishing deals. So that's how I end up just owning my own publishing and end up like I'm gonna learn this thing. And right now, I own the same amount of publishing on coming side that the record company does because I wouldn't relinquish it. I wouldn't give it up. So. Well, okay. Yeah.
0: So, but Kenny did for the first set, and and you, yours was supposed to be on the second.
1: Yeah, yeah. So wow. he understood. Yeah. You know, he wasn't mad about it.
0: Yeah, but it, it's it's one of the sad things that we we we, we are learning about how, um, mm-hmm. you know, the um, that no matter who, you, unless. <laughs> in those days if you didn't have a label you you didn't have iTunes you didn't have all the internet you couldn't you needed them to go through and it it's either our way or no way and and stuff and yeah.
1: um
0: but you know but anyway it but the good thing is that um you guys are working you're doing um the merry stuff what, what are, where else did we hear your your your, your tracks um because i know dave hall uh-huh.
1: was, dave was doing yeah. a lot of stuff in the Bell. real seduction um We hung out with SWV a lot in the studio, but we didn't do any writing on their album. We just okay. would go to their sessions and hang out with them. Um, let me see. We were in the studio pretty much every day with Donnell Jones, Horace okay. Brown, you know, all those cats right there. We just all gel together. It's a lot of records that they helped us with, like Ludie Joe from the Rude Boys. He, he would help us with records. It's just a lot of records out there that where writers should be listed and they're not listed. And that goes for our songs and as well as like other people's songs. You know, they call it ghost writing. But you just go in and you're helping your friends out to make hit records and you know.
0: But then who 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 owns it and who gets the money from
1: it? The the artist. Yeah. The the actual artist. Whoever owns the publishing, then it would it would go to them.
0: Okay. So but and that's they're... not in
1: every song, but there are just certain songs. You know, there's a few songs out there that we didn't that we don't have our names on. But,
0: um, okay, but it, it was more so you, you guys were holding your craft. Were you learning the business as, very quickly from, from, from that, from,
1: from then on? Um, we thought we were, but the <laughs> business changes like, it changes like that. So, um, they threw us out on the road. We, we toured for two years. And by the time we came back home, it was like, where's the money? You know, we were making money from the road more than we've ever made in our lives. So, it wasn't like... Where's the money? Because my family's not eating and we're not doing this. You know, it was like, okay, we'll deal with that when we when we deal with it, when we start seeing our royalty statements. So it was for years before we even saw our first royalty statement. And to find out, you know, it, it wasn't this is how much money is owed to you. It was saying, This is how much money is owed to us. And that's how they kind, that's how they drew up those contracts. It's a lot of stuff that I I I want to talk about, but Within uh, two months from now, we have a movie being released. It's okay. called yeah, Intro, music, lyrics, Music, life and lyrics. So I, I don't want to give it all No no, no, know, no no, no no I, no, I'll no. Stay with you: uh, Yeah,
0: no, I think more so just the And just I, need just... Their
1: part- I don't want to talk too bad about you know who because I need their participation. I need their participation yeah, because
0: no, 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 yeah. they're,
1: they're, they're doing a soundtrack for yeah. a movie for the music group is doing a soundtrack for the movie and then they're going to release another intro album during black music month in june
0: okay so, no no yeah in the flicks films yeah i think a, a, what, what i was getting more so is just the the fact that and it's not particular any particular people that you work with mm-hmm. it's just the the, the 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 what we've noticed over the time is that how hard it is to be talented to have talent and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't seem like if you did baseball, if you did uh, football, you, you know, you, it seems very standard in, in, in sports. You know, here's your contract. Here's yep. what your bonuses in up and every fans. So you've got your agent who, who tries to get more for you because the more you get, the more they get. And it seems if there's, there's a lot of protection there. Somehow um, in the music industry, it's very different. It almost seems that the more talent you have, the more it's how can we take as much from you.
1: Yeah, And that's, and,
0: and that's a sad thing that we are noticing.
1: They, they know it's a passion and that you'll do it even if you're not getting paid for it. Because once something becomes passionate to you, you're going to do it anyway. You're going to sing in the shower. You're going to sing you know, around the house. And so a lot of people pretty much will just take whatever is given to them. If it's more than a nothing, then they'll just take it. You know. But if
0: you had gone pro, pro baseball mm-hmm. and you, you you love baseball, you know, the Bruins or, or, or the, the the Hawks or, sorry, or the um, Braves aren't just going to sign. They're going to say, well, we'll give him just a penny because he loves right. baseball. They, they they would say this is an asset.
1: We need to yeah. protect that asset. It's, you know, with the music business, it's been like that forever, forever. And, um, you know, now the artists have, they have, you know, more of an opportunity of controlling their, their careers and their music and stuff. Yeah. But it's honestly, it's just a matter of time before they find a way to, you know, to, break to, get, it to get through that. Yeah.
0: So if we go to the first album now, um, what was the, how, when they say, okay, it's time to start working on the first album because you, you, you're doing stuff, you gave stuff to Mary, you were doing ghostwriting. When is it like, okay, we need you guys start working on the first album?
1: Um, we ended up just having an album done by recording so many songs. We had probably recorded like 40 songs. and um, songs that you actually like 40, sang? Like that you actually
0: recorded and sang and it was like...
1: Mm-hmm. And, and we would turn them over to the label and they put them in the vault because they gave us a recording budget. So we would turn songs over to them and they would hold them in the vault. And how we picked the songs for the first intro album was at Eddie F. House on his back porch smoking a blunt with super cat the reggae artist super cat
0: as one would do in the 90s
1: yeah. yeah. super cat pretty much picked the album the songs on the first on our first album how we don't know he's just he's like yeah that one right there man yeah that one right there that was. so we was just writing them down all right love thing okay let me be the one okay one of a kind of love and that's pretty much how out of those 40 songs we picked the eleven songs I think we had on um, on the intro album.
0: Okay, but then <laughs> did you have an A and R person? I would have thought that that's what they normally do. And, and,
1: and yeah, stuff. that that was that was Kevin Willey. He he didn't push back on anything that we did because we were coming with a whole new sound. So he wasn't he didn't know either. He didn't know what Atlantic Records wasn't ready for what we gave them. They they didn't they never seen anything like it before the hip hop beats like so they've had records with hip hop beats on it from like force and d's and stuff like that yeah. but it was never like a whole album of just street music was singing on it so they, they really didn't know they trusted us but um he, he let us pick yeah uh, and what, what
0: about eddie did he not get involved in picking or helping pick because you know that, that it, it was he would have released all
1: 40 of those songs if he could he would have released all 40. Wow! You know, and and then again, you know, behind the scenes, I'm sure it was a lot of talk and with back and forth with Eddie and A and R at the label.
0: Yeah. And
1: you know, because it, it was definitely was it the three of us that said this is the album, take it, and that's it. You know. Wow. But they now, gave us a lot of freedom.
0: And that especially when you and and I think there's the advantage of being in a label that doesn't have groups like yourself but then because you have the greatest freedom but then there's also the disadvantage where they're not used to knowing how to market you so would it have been different if you think when you look back if you were assigned to uptown know Jodeci and no Jodice and Mary would you think you'd have been any different as a as a, as a group
1: um i think if we were signed to uptown we would have been more popular we would have sold more records but i'm not sure we would have made more money
0: I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the deal might not have been as good as the the negotiation. Yeah.
1: Um, It's like a corporation. And you know, they're gonna be here forever, pretty much. So they have a reputation to uphold. So they're not gonna do but so much, you know, to you, you know.
0: Yeah. So you have forty songs and they're sending it to the votes vaults. Um I think a lot of us are learning about what they call masters, and does that mean that those forty songs don't belong to you anymore?
1: Right. They, the label owns those songs. They have the right to do whatever they want with those songs.
0: And w- when you're sending them forty songs, did you know that that's the case? That we're sending them the songs, and they own it, and it's like I've just painted, I've done a pie, and it mm-hmm. goes back to the people. Did you have an idea, or what was your? It...
1: Well, they they were paying for it. You know, they're paying right by right. They're paying the studio time. You know they were paying us and you know that was our job to turn over songs at that time so okay. they have them there and we can still release them if we want to and collect our publishing money like that's what's going to happen with the album in june they're going to pull songs from the vault and remaster them
0: and okay. put those out yeah. okay so but yeah so on reflection though would you have thought okay we've got these songs we can keep some of them and we just turn over 15 songs mm-hmm. and we still keep the other 25. On reflection, knowing what you know now about the business, would you have done stuff like mm-hmm. that or would you sort of given them the 40?
1: Right. Well, they have, they have about 40 songs in the vault. And then there's another 40 or 50 songs just laying around producers' homes. Like I, I, been, I was on the phone with producer the other day. He has three songs that he's going to submit for the movie soundtrack. You know, that's never been released. We never gave to the record company or anything. So, you know, there's still a lot of intro stuff. I go on the internet and come across unreleased music all the time from us. I don't know how it gets out there, but um, yeah. it's almost and, a whole album out there of unreleased songs right now. Yeah,
0: there's a friend of mine, um, um, Richard from the Grapevine, um, he, he's mm-hmm. on IG, and he, he told me about two songs, Put
1: put Me On. Yeah, Put Me On. A lot of people ask about Put Me On. Um, they, want, they ask me, do I have it and can I send it to them? And I don't even have that record. Like um that's uh Jonathan Morant and Eddie F. They they have that record, put me on, in its entirety. And um he may release it. Eddie might release it one day. Okay. Sure and i wish then, she would. <laughs> uh,
0: um but then who does he own it or who owns
1: it? Um That song right there, it's just like a rogue song. We just recorded it. Nobody really owns it because we don't have a deal for that record. Like, if Eddie was to put it out, then that would have to be a whole different um, agreement. Like, you know, on the points and how much, what what are the splits on it? It's like coming over to a friend's house and just recording a song. Okay. um, That's what happened pretty much. We were just there and the music is on and just, hey, let's do it. And um, that happened a lot. We We have a lot of songs out there.
0: Very similar to what Prince would do just record lots of music and stuff, but he, he he'd keep hold of his stuff. What about those that how can yep. you how can you
1: how can yeah how can you let me down? yeah, it has a jay-Z beat underneath it can't can't knock the hustle okay yeah that's, that's yeah. another one of them
0: yeah and and that's you don't know have that one, but that's out there that's
1: out there as well I have that I have that i have, I just don't have put me on i have I have how can how can. So shoot, I might have been listening to that <laughs>
0: <too long> <laughs>
1: no, as I said, Oh yeah, here you go okay. mm-hmm. You hear that?
0: I, yeah I
1: thought that we would be
0: Together How can
1: How can that you and the keys? Um, no, that's on Rashad, Rashad Smith. of it i remember the day we met something like i dreamed of never asked for a thing i only want your precious love but you use me to see what you
0: can get now you don't want to stay together i don't see how you
1: forget all the tears that you cried i wiped them from your eyes I'll, I'll just play it through the chorus. So i just played through the first you chorus. Right. All the plans that we made, you threw it all away. I really thought you were the one. But now I see it was again. You really care about it. Oh, I know you would hurt me. I know that you would not hurt me, baby. No, 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 no. You care about more than the Come on,
0: yeah. Maybe. I'm listening to this and I'm thinking I missed the 90s
1: um, because you we know, they,
0: they don't, they, no one, no producers don't, don't, they're not non innovative like this and stuff. I mean, that's that's <clears throat> I'm listening to to Kenny and I, it reminds me of Diesel um, they're all Diesel Adams from, um, yeah, 9-1-1. basic, yeah, basic black, of- the, 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 yeah, basic black mainly, but because the. There's there is there is such a... I I think like Luther has it, there is something powerful about how they sing that is very effortless. Mm-hmm. You can't teach that. Um,
1: you can't. Come you from come in here.
0: Yeah, I'm listening to that, I'm saying, wow, that's that's such a the, the I could hear pain and, and joy and truth in, mm-hmm. in, in just that short small clip. Mm-hmm.
1: We have, we have songs that I mean if somebody if there was a label to put an album together, like right now, like it's coming in June, but um, I, I mean, I think we missed a lot of years of not putting out good music and stuff.
0: Yeah. But then, okay. So, okay. It kind of threw me because that's, that's a very really good track. So you, your, your first album, you you, you you pick up your your 11, 11 tracks and stuff. And um, were you guys then prepared because you were doing a lot behind the stuff, seeing stuff. And now you have to do your photos and promos, shoot a video and stuff. What was that like back in that early time?
1: That was that was a fun experience for us. Um, shooting music videos. I remember the first video that we did was um, Shinehead, try my love. So we kinda kinda got a taste of what, what it's like to be on a video set and how much yeah. fun he was having and stuff. A couple of weeks later we shot the video for um Love Thing. Mm. It was freezing cold outside. It was super <laughs> cool. And, um, you know all the trucks there, and the food, and the people, and knowing that you know we get ready to create something to share with the world—that was fun. Then we did "Let Me Be the One" video in Atlanta. Mm. Um, then it was uh, "Come Inside" video, which is we did here in New York. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then off to California to do Ribbon in the Sky" video. So it was just like. So
0: I, I put out the um, I put out the little poll. Um, and I put Let Me Be The One, Funny How Time Flies, Come Inside, Love Thing, and Feels Like The First Time. And Come Inside had, you know, there's oh, 1,200 votes in within the last six hours, was wow. 50% of the people preferred Come Inside as their one of their favorite intro tracks. Although, That's I awesome. didn't put Rhythm In The Sky because okay. I didn't, I know it was a Stevie... Cover and back in the day, everyone did a Stevie cover. You had to do a Stevie cover. Yeah, uh, and and I and, and sometimes you put a Stevie cover, it would it would skew the votes. My f- favorite probably feels like the first time is probably um, emotionally feels probably one of the what, what a very emotional track um, mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. But h- how was how was the the reception of the first album? Because yeah, you know you guys were very distinct, very different no one would ever you know you know jodeci were doing their thing black street boys to men everyone mm. was doing their thing um true hill and and but you guys were very much in a very different lane that everyone would say oh intro what was it what was it like when you guys came out as a group did you could you feel that people gave you respect uh, and we had some
1: we had good love on the streets that's how i used to always put it you know a lot of people from in in the, in, the, in the pretty much lower income neighborhoods showed us a lot of love because I guess they could relate with uh, with the stories in the record, you know. Um, and then it'd be surprising surprisingly crowds. Like we ended up at the um, Wrigley Mansion in Arizona. That's the people who um, made oh, the Spearmint Gum. Yeah, you know, the cum, ended up yeah. at their house with friends with them and like the Domes Backache Pills people, they intro fans, wow. you know. So it was like, it's kind of, it was really diverse. And um, we had a lot of, um, like, uh, football players would invite us to perform at their um, parties that they would have, you know, Super Bowl parties and stuff like that. Wow. Because it was really a really fun time, really good time. So that first album was, it was, um, it, it kind of caught on really quick. What did it do? Did it go platinum? It went way past platinum. But if you go on the RIAA, they're going to still have it listed as gold. Yeah. So that's one of those. Things back over there, yeah.
0: yeah. Why? Why? Why was that? Because uh, wh- why would they have two different, different figures? Why would atlantic um, not be proud to
1: say you got I think once a- you go, once they acknowledge that you platinum, it comes with a bonus. It comes with a bonus check, so that number will always probably stay at nine hundred ninety nine thousand. You know, nine hundred and ninety nine. It, it, it that number will probably never go to one million.
0: Unless, what would, what, what would be the case where they can't hold it I, back? I
1: don't, I don't have that answer. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a phone call. It's, a, it's really just a quick email to say, um, what, are our, what are our total numbers? Like, I get, I get our royalty statements and stuff, but it's, now it's, everything is in streams, not units. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm just saying that, but Atlantic, we're like, well, this, we've got a hot product here that we want to take on because they, it, it shows that you, you had a lane. It did well, and it did. Yeah, and I knew it couldn't have just gone gold, even though you just have a gold plaque. But it did, everyone had a copy of it. Yeah, so... Everybody had a copy
1: of this thing all, all around the world. I'm
0: like, yeah, yeah, I think one of the things that I, I, I've, I've that sort of vexed me, um, and and, and and um, was the fact that um, intro, um, and SWV, um, had a main lead singer mm-hmm. and 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 i think i struggled to me personally i don't know about it. the, the fact that there's a lot of even hate town had dino you know, it was that sense of we're mm-hmm. investing in our lead singer to do all the singing and you know as uh, life they don't run out, if they don't call it quits and stuff we've got a group for life but if they decide yeah you know my vocals have gone we're so used to just the one singer. When you guys were performing, the three of you did, you, did you not say, well, if we let Kenny, even though he's far better, better singer, if we don't chip in every now and then singing a lead or, or stuff, it, it might just be the Kenny Green
1: show. Mm-hmm. Well, after the first album, like the industry at that time, they had a pattern of they would put groups out and then they would take the lead singer and do a solo album. And then maybe the group would come back together, maybe they wouldn't. Yeah, that was like a pattern that was going on. So I was encouraging Kenny after the first album to do a Kenny Green album. He wow, didn't want to do it! Yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't want to do it. Yeah, I was encouraging him because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not the music friends; it's the music business. And I saw what that would have just done phenomenal. He would have been like a, a Will Downing or a Luther Vandross, you know. And I yeah. felt that, I felt the world needed that, but uh, yeah.
0: And, but you—you've been involved in helping write and produce and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like it would have been just some of those from those songs that we did already, because he was already singing leads. It was—it would have been as simple as just handing the songs over and doing yeah. A packaging. Yeah. Yeah. But um,
0: what was his what was his hesitation for, for for doing that?
1: I think we were having too much fun. Pretty much, I think we were just having too much fun. You know, as a group traveling, and you know, it came like became like a brotherhood. Yeah,
0: yeah. but then again, it, it's it's not everyone that that's, um that has you know you think of you, we talk about no and Bobby was he he could do it seamlessly, but you could see Ralph initially struggled with that. So, okay, do I go solo because I'm so used to being with the fellas, and, and it didn't seem like that. Um, so then you guys go directly to Atlantic and start working on your follow-up album. Um, Was there pressure from you guys to sophomore album? Because that's sometimes back in those days, it could be the pressure album.
1: Um, There was, but Kenny's father passed away, like right when we got the budget to do the album. So it turned from a follow-up album to almost like a dedication album to his father. Like, we don't look at New Life as the second intro album. We kind of look at New Life as an inspirational record. That's why they don't have, like, the... they have Funny How Time Flies on there and um, Strung Out on Your Love, but we don't have, like, the love thing or Let Me Be The One type of records throughout there because it's mostly... Pretty much every one of those songs is about Kenny's father. Wow. Yeah. There's A Way, Spending My Life With You, New Life. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, tell me how... Okay. We had that uh,
1: throughout... I'll come inside. We had to have a follow up for Coming inside, so that's why we did. on um, feels like the first time with Novell Hodge. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, but it was it That was, as I say, it was, well, it's probably my favorite intro song, um, because there's there's a very um, passionate um, song, um, and so that that affected the writing and, and what you wrote about. Um, mm-hmm. As an as a group, you guys were supportive of that. It wasn't like, no, man, we need to do. Oh no, nah, I was
1: I was I was fine with that. I was one hundred percent fine with it. Yeah.
0: And and the label were, were they, did they did they they trusted you the first time? They just said yeah, whatever you want to do. Or what was Yeah, their- they
1: just, like, give them. We, we sat in a meeting with them, and it's like, you pretty much give them whatever they want. They gave us way over half a million dollars to record that second album. We didn't need that much money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what
0: what happens with yeah. the money though? Did they just say, "Here's the money," Here's and then
1: you got yeah? Do what you got to do. Just make sure you do what you got to do. You know, you can't just take the money and not turn over the the product. Yeah, but then you so, it.
0: so they they give you a big big advance, and and at least that that just that's you that that makes you guys a lot more comfortable when you you and uh, when you record. But you're not wasting it. I would.
1: Nah, no, 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 no. We we had a business manager, you know. So when we had when we need studio time, they PO the money to the to the studio. It wasn't like we could go with an ATM card, for the money <laughs> okay. out. I'm going to take okay. out a couple thousand dollars today to do this. Okay. Now nah, we, then... we set aside individual like advances. Like each member would get like ten thousand dollars, you know, to help with the living expenses and stuff. Yeah. Because during that time we weren't on the road. So okay, okay.
0: Now, uh, just before we move on to the 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 touring, because what I'm hearing from when I interview members of groups is that you don't make as much as a group from album sales, but it's really the touring that really is where the income was. That unless you you have publishing, but what did you find back in those early
1: days? Yeah, that that was the primary source of income um, doing the shows. Yeah, doing the shows because um. Your check from the label—if you're getting a check—it comes once every four months. There's like a quarterly. Okay. But so the shows, if you're working like every week, every week, you know, sometimes two, three, four shows a week. I was coming home. I, I had problems with the money. I used to have people have to have people meet me to bring money home for me and stuff like that. It was it was ridiculous. From the shows. <laughs> Yeah, I be mean, like, I call my brother. I'm like, can you please fly? We're gonna be in Philadelphia on this day. Can you please meet me here? I need you to take something home for me because a lot of those shows were paid in cash because Why? the promoters don't want to pay. You know,
0: taxes and all that I,
1: stuff. You know, it's a lot, a lot of cash stuff. You know, I know the FBI and IRS is watching, but I took care of my yeah, taxes. Yeah. I, my taxes. <laughs>
0: no, no, no. I so, do remember. Oh, was it Mary that said that when she did the track for Method Man? Oh, Method man did it. she did track for message in cash and she was a little bit freaked out about it but um mm-hmm. and she said it in an interview but but what you're saying is that um there's there's a lot of wow so that that's um was quite interesting so hence that there's the need to be on tour quite a bit but then were mm-hmm. you guys comfortable being on the road and being on tour or would you prefer being in the studio? what was it for you guys
1: um we we liked the road until, it, until you got tired, you know. It's fun traveling and seeing different parts of the world and places that you've never seen before. And um, what we did was we put our studio on our tour bus, so we were still able to to work and stuff like that. Yeah. So that, that time, as time went on and you kind of get tired of being around each other all the time, you know, you yeah. kind of definitely need a break and just want to go home and and eat food out the kitchen and stuff and, you know. So
0: when you, in between the time when um, your first album comes out and, 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 and the follow-up um, and you're promoting, going on tour, were you still then, after the success of what you did for Mary, were you still turning in records for other
1: artists? Um, more, more, more so Kenny. Because once they saw the success of the Mary J. Blige albums, they would start flying him to different studios. Like Will, He did a record with Will Smith. He um, did a record with AZ. Um, there's a, a couple of other different artists.
0: Yeah. But they, they, they because Kenny's name was on, on there, they thought he was the sole person. And what about yourself?
1: Man, I had to, for Come Inside, they was going to put Come Inside out without my name on it. And if you look, if there's some CDs that's floating around where it just says written by Kenny Green. Or if you go on some platform, it just says written by Kenny Green, Kenny Green. And I, I had to really fight with the label. Like I was getting the money for it and I had my publishing, but the written credit wasn't on there. There's like, well, he's a bigger songwriter. Just let's just put his name on I was like, no, that's not yeah. how it's gonna work because I need to get credit too, because that's yeah. how people are gonna come to me to write songs. Yeah. So if they finally put it on there, and that's like <laughs>
0: You know, yeah. Paul McCartney said the same thing um, about it was Lennon McCarthy, Lennon McCarthy on all their tracks. But he wrote yesterday on his own and he asked John Lennon, says, said, look, is it possible that this is the song I wrote, can we do McCartney-Lennon for this track? And he says, no, it's always wow. going to be Lennon-McCartney. And so they, they had a fallen out over that, but it, it, it was how it was. But there, there was that importance of, well, I, I did all this stuff and I wanted it to be my i want to put my name first um but this wasn't anything with kenny he didn't say no I'm My my stuff this was more the label, or- it, was more the label.
1: it was not Kenny. it was always the label and
0: okay yeah. uh, but when he was going to, for doing the az stuff were you also getting calls to do writing and stuff as well
1: um, yeah i did um a couple of things i did um to well hicks she was in a the movie the Bronx Tale.
0: I know Ture Hillstone. I, I know her distant lover,
1: uh, you know, Sprug. Yeah. Distant lover is one of my favorite from her, from her first album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I put together her demo that she went over to Sony records with, at um, Tommy Matola Santa there. Okay. Um, I did um, John Legend's mother's album. She does gospel. So I fell back and started doing gospel production again. My okay. name is Phyllis Stevens. So I, I did an album with her. She can, actually came up to my house for like two weeks. Wow. And, um, that's pretty much been it. <laughs> Besides me writing, I probably got like a thousand songs in here. This is my studio right here. I don't know if you can see it or not. In terms it's pretty much okay. where I, I spend my days at down here. Um, you can't really see it.
0: Yeah, no, you've got your piano there. You've got um, your speakers in there and stuff. Yeah. Um
1: But I'm so. Stuff. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you some of the new music as well.
0: Yeah, no, most, most definitely. But then so. The, 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 the album comes up. Whose idea was it to do Ribbon
1: in the Sky? Uh, Tim Patterson. He was a guy named Tim Patterson. He worked with Intro. He worked with Jodeci. He signed uh, the Lost Boys to uh, Uptown Records. Okay. He, was, uh, he was like our artist development guy. And he was like, you guys need to do a uh, Stevie Wonder song. We <laughs> <laughs> were like, we're not doing a Stevie Wonder song. It's <laughs> <don't want> to <laughs> too much work. We don't want to do it. And he kept pressuring us and pressuring us. And finally, we recorded the song. Yep.
0: I mean, at that time everyone had to do a Stevie song on the album, Black mm-hmm. everyone had to do. but it was probably was it one of your bigger crossover hits?
1: It was definitely the biggest crossover hit. Yeah. We didn't release it as a single at first, so that's what took the album gold because people they could buy Let me be the One and Love thing as a single. But if you wanted rhythm in the sky, you had to actually buy the CD or the yeah. cassette.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's, that's what they were doing to some of that's what the labels were doing back in those days. To, to really push the stuff. Um, but then after the second album and, and, and stuff, what, what goes, what happens in between? Were you then working on doing a third or what, what, what was, what happened? Um,
1: after we released the second album, we did two videos, we did um, Funny How Time Flies, feels like the first time, then there was something like a falling out between our manager and somebody at the label or between Kenny and somebody at the label we never got the story of what happened but there was some sort of falling out and to the point where Atlantic Records was like we're just gonna let let you guys go and do whatever you want to do we're gonna release you from your contract so I mean, from then we did a we did a we toured for a little while longer and then um, that that's pretty much it we just took a break like Kenny moved back home um it was a time where I hadn't spoke to them for like two years two, two, going on three years. And then um, somebody called and was like, I'm doing a compilation album. Um, we want to give you guys a budget to put a few songs on a on compilation. It was the clothing line, Fubu. Mm. So um, Kenny came back up to New York and we started um, working on the third album and um, probably recorded another 10, 15 songs. then mm. During that time. And then he stayed in New York but we never got back to, um, to doing shows or anything because at that time his health was failing.
0: Yeah. So, but okay, I mean, unless it's going to be addressed in a documentary, I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated how Atlantic had an, a group that were, were consistent in creating quality tracks and, 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 and selling that it could be that easy without the three of you having a discussion to drop you um, did you guys not have a say
1: in, in that? Oh, no, nah, we, we didn't have a say. It was a phone call and said, you guys better sign this paper. Like, it wasn't like we were going to negotiate with them and say, um, let's talk about doing this. Let's talk about it. it was, that was it. <laughs> See you. <ya. laughs> so something happened behind the scenes. I don't know what it is. My guess mm-hmm. is that they never received the masters, the master recordings for the second album. Because there's only a few songs from the second album that's in the vault. Like all those songs are not in the vault. Like "Love Me Better," "New Life." Those songs would have turned over. And um, and and who has them? You guys? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. God bless his soul. He's gone now. Those songs went. The masters of those songs went with him.
0: Who? It's Kenny or or the man the? Um, um, Kenny. Oh, with Kenny. Okay. But then, so when you guys get dropped, how did that affect the relationship with with the three of you?
1: Um, Well, it really didn't because it wasn't like the first album. If it would have happened during the first album, it would have probably been devastated. But, you know, we had pretty much got it out of our system. We had an opportunity to travel the world, make some money. I was able to buy my mother a house. So I kind of felt like I did everything that I set out to do. And everything else was just like icing on the cake, you know, just like in, in addition to it. So I, I kind of pretty much had the, had it, you know, almost out of my system. And then, you know what, I was dealing with the reality of knowing that, you know, that Kenny was sick and that unfortunately it was as hard as I would pray, you know, history at that time taught me that he might not be alone, may not be around for a long time. So I had already started conditioning my my mind to that. Like as we were recording the second album, I kind of knew that his health was fading. Oh, and so then, you
0: knew by the second, when, <clears throat> you knew when you were recording the
1: second album that he he had HIV. Pretty much. Um, I didn't. I didn't know. For, he didn't tell me. I I knew, but he didn't tell me. Oh, but you did tell him he looked. He, he looked. told me when we came back to do the third album. That that's what he told me.
0: What was but wrong with prior him? to that, it was
1: just a, it was just the elephant in the room. It was a secret, and you know, it was his business. I didn't I didn't want to mind it, you know. I was there for him if he needed anything, he needed help. But you know, it was some days where he wasn't feeling well enough to do too many things, and I I kind of knew that. Like at some point, I'm, I'm probably gonna have to say goodbye to this brother. You know, as, as sad as it was, like I, I had to condition myself. Yeah.
0: And because. Because you're doing the second album as a, as an inspiration for his dad. Mm-hmm. But at the back of your mind, you're thinking maybe this is also for Kenny, but he exactly. hasn't said anything.
1: Exactly. The song, New Life, if you listen to the words in that song, it's almost like he, he knew he was going, you know? It's like that song, I think, speaks for him because he was saying stuff like, "Write a write a letter to the president. Now the dog's going to pay my rent. It's going to be all right let me stay for a while um i'm going to get a new life you know so that new life was definitely for himself even though he mentioned his father's name in it i kind of yeah. like he's talking about himself too because like martin malcolm elijah and i think i heard him say nathan you that's his father's name <clears throat> yeah
0: uh, yeah wow and, um, but yeah, but you could, at that point, you just let him, and I guess it's it's hard, unless you're in that situation, to know how you respond if they're not saying
1: anything and stuff. Yeah, you don't, I didn't want to ask him, you know, I didn't yeah. want to ask him, because it's a chance I could be wrong, and then, you
0: know, Yeah.
1: it was, you know, it was his business. And...
0: Yeah, and then, so the album comes out, you, do, you, do you minimize your touring and your and stuff as a result well, of his health, or yes. you just
1: Mm mm-hmm we we started taking less and less dates because physically it really really wasn't possible to do so
0: yeah and so he he doesn't say anything and no one says anything you just
1: it's a lot of stuff going around in the background you know people say stuff to me like what's what's up with your boy how's he doing why why does he look like that and it's just like you know why don't you ask him you know i I don't know
0: yeah and so so oh, as this was, was going on, um, when did you, how, how after the first, second album is released that you come back for the third? What's the time frame?
1: Two and a half years.
0: Two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then he, he comes clean and stuff. How, how, how do you take it?
1: Um, the three of us were sitting there and when he told us, we was just like, damn. We said at the same time, we was like, damn. And um, I didn't want to talk too much about it right there, but um, I called him the next day and, you know, told him you got my support, you know, 100%. You know, um, he said that he wanted to move back to New York because remember he just came back up to do the recordings. He was staying in a hotel. So I said, you know, if you want to move back up to New York, you're welcome to stay at my house. So he came back to New York, moved into my house. Um, I was married at the time and I had an infant kid. So my wife was just like, nervous wreck because she didn't know anything about the disease and she went to have different toothbrush places for (laughs) toothbrushes and all this stuff and you know but um he lived with us for a few months before he um had to go into the hospital yeah
0: wow how that i I can't begin to imagine how um that the the challenge with 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 that
1: um nasty it's nasty it's nasty that's all i can say when people ask me i wouldn't wish that on anybody it's nasty it's a nasty way to go mm.
0: yeah my um my dad passed away last month with uh, COVID oh, sorry,
1: lost. sorry and, for your loss
0: man thanks and he was in, in and unfortunately he was in the hospital and uh, he went in just for blood sugar and then you know he caught the virus in the hospital and oh man you know uh, each one week he was they were saying he's fine he's about to come home then it's like oh he's got COVID and within a week he just goes and but we couldn't visit because there was, yeah. you couldn't go visit because they just, they didn't let anyone in. And I reflected on, you know, he died within a week of, of catching this disease, but it was a slow, and we got a chance to grieve and be shocked, but then almost come over. It. And I, and I wondered the difference if it was a three months or four months and, and, and stuff, but it so I can't,
1: right. Yeah, That's hard.
0: kind of. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely always going to be different for each of us and stuff. Um, but do you guys, even when you're staying with you guys, do you have any inspiration to write anything or is it just talking? Yeah, as a matter
1: of fact, I just sent off to California on yesterday. I sent uh, a bunch of these off. <clears throat> like we, we were recording songs on these zip drops. I had a couple of <laughs> them right. and it said um, intro and it says Kenny. And, um, yeah, I was using a machine called a Fostex F- FD8. So I sent over two of them, and they're going to transfer them for me back to Wave files. And um, I'll probably have some good intro songs on there. Wow. Those, those were the songs during his, during his final days, like, during, the, like, when he was doing vocals laying down. We actually oh do vocals with him on the couch because he just wanted to continue recording and just leaving messages and stuff so I'm, I'm anxious to see you know what's on those tapes i'll have them back in like i guess two weeks or so
0: wait he, what year did he die he died in
1: 1991 a week after the september 11th incident about yeah. a few weeks later october 1st to uh 2001 was it 2000 1991 99 1990. no. no 2001
0: 2001, 2001. Yeah. I'm sorry I, the only reason I asked
1: because it's 20 years and you've not listened to them mm-hmm. I haven't nope yeah, yeah, yeah I don't have the machine oh okay. <laughs> yeah I don't, have, I don't have the machine to play them so that's why I, um, I had to send them off to get transferred and I can't find the machine anywhere for sale I'm looking everywhere so it's called Fostex FD8 they have another brand now but it's not the zip drive model,
0: but you said you finally found someone who has it, so you can get them.
1: Get uh, it out. it's a tape conversion company. They they can do. They said they can take them off to take the music off. Okay, so.
0: okay, wow. Um, so it, it so he so he 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 so he 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 passes, and then the, the stuff that you record for the flu. Did you did does they get released?
1: Um, no, they never got released. Never, never. <laughs> I probably got I probably got some stuff on here. Tell, let me see something. Uh, see. Can you hear that? Yeah. Who's on the piano? Baby. Oh. Is this? This? I get sad when you're not
0: around. Oh, man. Take your love away. I'm feeling down. Like a kid, I'm embarrassed say I name. I'm never getting up. I'm it's not you anymore. Tell me I'm not you. to feel mm-hmm. this way. I want you more every day.
1: What is coming over me? Look what you've done. Baby, you got me. I am in my bed. Don't
0: waiting to be with you, you got me wrapped around your feet, is it time to phone ring, my heart skips a beat, Whoa. I need your love, you will be brave. How was it easy for him to just write?
1: Like that. <laughs> I was standing in the
0: line at the gate on my way to my 70s. had a little time spare, so I was heading out there
1: and she looked at me and smiled. The girl of my dreams is leaving on another flight, and the world came crashing down. Took my heart and she oh, took my soul, but she don't even know my name.
0: So i 24
1: hours, I gotta find this girl, 'cause without her I'll never be the same. Hey. I mean,
0: it's it's, it's amazing how um, how much we missed the music, but it's amazing how effortlessly it. it seems like it. Were you guys singing background, or how, what? What happens to the?
1: Kenny song on those two songs that I just played. He did the backgrounds on those because those were just we were just writing at the time, and uh, yeah, just go ahead and go and knock it out. They weren't not even really finished songs right there. Well, what about the production? Who was producing it? Um, those tracks were presented to us. I want to say, um, let me see, what's the guy's name? Um, Kenny, Kenny Love, somebody named <clears throat> somebody named Kenny Love, and also um, Rashad Smith at Tumbling Dice. He did a lot of stuff like Biggie Smalls and.
0: Yeah. So what what they would do is they would give you the sort of beat, and then you, mm-hmm. and then you'd he would write
1: over over them. Yeah. Okay. We'd put it on like two tracks of tape, and then layer all the vocals underneath it like
0: that. Wow. So you've kept them for all these years with them. Um, now, when you, would you guys ever planning to, you know, after Kenny passed, did you then think that's it, intro's gone, there's nothing else because he was our lead singer, he was our main writer, that's it. Or you, you and Jeff, what did that's, you guys decide to do?
1: That's, that's, that's pretty much how I felt. It had been a back in my heart I didn't want the legacy of intro to be um, intro stopped recording and doing music because Kenny died. I didn't want that to be the final, you know, story at the, you know, the end. Kenny died, the end. So um, we tried putting new members in the group and that just didn't work out. It always would end up in some type of argument because they didn't understand the business. They thought they were coming to the group and automatically like, we're gonna be buying them cars and all of this stuff. I'm like, nah, that's not how it works. You know, you, we go, we do shows. And even though you're a new member in the group I'm still gonna split the money equally. I'm gonna make the same amount of money as you make. And um, I would tell them like, okay this is how much this show is for. And sometimes you go to do a show and then the promoters get a little janky on you. They always have some type of story. <clears throat> And um, oh, I had to spend a little bit more here. So it was actually this amount of money and they would give that to me. Now I already told the guys in the group, okay, this is how much you're gonna get. And I would always make sure that that's what they got. Even if it meant that I had to walk away with less money, I always bit the bullet because I was pretty much handling the business for the group, yeah. but um, yeah. it just didn't work out. And um, then me and Jeff just started going back out by ourselves, And um, I can honestly say at the beginning of doing that, the shows were horrible. They were horrible.
0: Just
1: a you? Yeah, I I enjoyed going out, and I enjoyed the fact that people was calling and trusting us to come out, like, you know, without Kenny. But, um, yeah, the beginning shows were horrible. They were horrible because we weren't rehearsing, and we was pretty much learning as as we would go. But that kept going and kept going, and people kept booking us and booking us, and then we started doing rehearsals. And, you know, if you see our show now, of course, we're going to miss Kenny Green. But I always put it like this, like if you if you if you open a can of soda, right? Say it's a it's a it's an orange soda and you pop it open and you taste Coca-Cola, then mm-hmm. it's a problem, you know. Yeah. But I think like with the intro shows, if you look in and hear something from intro, you're gonna you're gonna get that experience now. Mm-hmm. And we still have Kenny on the back and tracks and stuff like that. So we try to still bring him, you know, into that element and stuff. But it's it'll never be the same. It'll never yeah. be the same. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, no, especially with that his his um, vocal
1: talent, yeah, yeah. But uh, I saw Queen last summer. Oh, you did! I saw Queen last summer in Central Park, and they had this lead vocalist. I don't know, maybe that's yeah. who you're talking about, Adam Lambert. He Got was on American.
0: Yeah, he was on American Idol um, okay. back he- in the day with Randy Jackson and, and Simon Cowell. Um, he was one of the, you know, and he, I think he came second or so. But yeah, so he. Yeah he, he can, yeah, he was he was amazing on the show, but he didn't win it. But that's huh. how we, I know him from, from American Idol. So they actually, Queen did a, you know, back in the days when American Idol would have a Queen stuff, and they were really impressed, and they kept in touch, and that's how they signed him on. And so he, vocally, he can, he can handle it.
1: I was impressed. I was like,
0: wow. Yeah, so they got him from American Idol. But so we've got a, a documentary to expect in June, you said?
1: Oh, the documentary's coming in March. Oh March, of, okay. With the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. okay. And then in June, which is Black Music Month here, they're gonna release another intro album. And that's gonna be of remixes and maybe a couple songs that's in the vault that were unreleased. And I may have to fly to Los Angeles or do a Zoom with the people in the studio and kind of pick the songs because at this point I'm the AR for the project because the pro- the person who was the A&R was let go about a month and a half ago. So <laughs> Your okay. vice president was like, you're it. So you know, I do Zoom calls with her. I have my next call with her is on Tuesday with the So, would
0: this be on Atlantic?
1: Um, well, it's going to be on Rhino, Warner Music Group.
0: But okay, Atlantic a... is the phone.
1: On Rhino, yeah.
0: So that's more their... the um...
1: Aretha Franklin's. Yeah, and, whole... Yeah. Okay, so they're they
0: definitely they they're definitely, definitely pushing. Okay, they're definitely pushing out. So, where is the documentary going to be streamed or released?
1: Um, that's up to the film company right now. I know it's probably gonna be the Netflix, Amazon Prime, or something. It's uh 72 minutes long. It's a full feature film. Like I got I watched the second cut two nights ago. Okay. First time I watched it, I cried three times. Wow. As soon as it came on, like within the first minute, I was crying. Um, in the middle, towards the end, my daughter caught me crying. She's like, Dad, why are you crying? I was like, I'm not crying. She's like, No, you're <laughs> crying. And I was like, uh I'm happy. And she didn't understand. She's finally yeah. Old. Yeah. crying. Crying because you're happy. <laughs> you know, I, I cry because I want stuff, you know, I want yeah. to. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but it was it was it just the, the thing, what,
0: what, what was it the, the most emotional part for you?
1: Um, Like when it first came on, <laughs> like just seeing it come to life, you know, okay. after the, we've been working on it for a year and a half. We started before the COVID thing. We got a lot of the interviews done. And um, so really you got Donnell Jones in there, Big Daddy Kane, Coco from SWV, Mr. Cheeks, okay. um, Sadat so X for Brand Nubian. They are all in there. So seeing them pop on, seeing the friends and my dad's in there. You know. Wow. Okay. Kenny's mom is in there, his sister. Is wow. Really, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tearjerker, but it's, it's good. It's a really good. It's really good.
0: Yeah. The other question was, are you guys still
1: with edf oh yeah yeah I speak, I speak with eddie quite often he's trying to put me up on some of those investment things like the bitcoin stuff and, <laughs> bitcoin, and like yeah. the original apple stock people and stuff like that so they kind of like coach me into getting into the stock market and stuff like that and, um, yeah, you know
0: like, yeah
1: yeah tips for today my stock tip for today is and yo i i picked up like my friends right it was this one stock jmia it's like um it's kind of like the Amazon in Africa, right? And it was yeah. four, it was $14. And I told my friends, I said, man, y'all got to get on the stock, J, J, J-M-I-A. So I was telling them. And at that time, I still hadn't got on right? So when it w- went to $17, I got on it. And I kept seeing it go up and go up and go up. And I was telling my friends, I was like, I told you. I told you. I told you. So I would take a screenshot, send it to them. And one of my friends got so mad at me. In said, she said, <laughs> I just read something about J J M I A. it's called um, Jamea Technologies, he said I just read something about them, man you better get out of there, they're getting ready to get sued, you better, if I was you I would jump ship, so I pulled all my stock out of it, right, and guess what, now it's at $57 a shit. Oh, <laughs> He didn't know what he was talking about. He just got tired of me sending oh, him, you know. Okay, okay. So, but my my sister got onto it, and a um, couple other family members they 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 grabbed it, and it just stayed there. And I always yeah. try to have a stock tip of the day. So my, my two, I'm gonna give two for today. One is <laughs> AI, which is artificial intelligence that's going up about seven dollars a day now. It's at wow. one forty nine this year. Artificial intelligence, and my second one is gonna be desktop metal is down today but desktop metal is for the 3d printing they're gonna start making car parts using a 3d print and that's the material it's like the new steel so that that stock code is um dm It's no inside trading so it's uh no inside information so everything's legal yeah 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 that's kind of what i got from eddie too kind of like how to make money with money and not like I'm not flashy. Like I I can stick, if I stand up, it's not not gonna be no name brands. Yeah, be, yeah, yeah. I can't
0: well yeah. no that's that's the one thing that, that I've seen from him. He, he talked about investing in Apple so back in it back in the day when no one else was doing it and, and Bitcoins and and I think I've spoken to Father MC and others who who's who's talked about investments and, and mm. how much if you know Charles Barkley always always said that Michael used to tell him why are you getting this big advance from your, from, from the, from the NBA? It gets stock options because that's, you know, Mm -hmm. that's where the the people make the money. And he learned how to make money by not taking cash and wasting it and stuff. So I guess Mm -hmm. many singers and stuff don't really, didn't follow that suit. They probably got the cash and were spending it and thinking
1: that, yeah, we'll go on tour. My sister right <clears throat> I see another I see another gym with you that um a lot of, like a lot of people don't know even Jeff didn't know like three three four years like I I have a job right I got a day job I'm a New York City police officer I work for NYPD but I, I'm retiring in July what? so now I would yeah <laughs> so yeah I retired July 1st of this year and um I did the whole I did the whole 17 years I didn't have to do 20 years because of the military so I could retire at 17. So for the past 17 years, I actually been a New York City cop and pretty much nobody knew about it in the industry. I can say it now because I'm getting ready to retire and I'm not really out on the street like that anymore. But um, yeah, man, you got was, was that because you had to or why did you do
0: that? I, I,
1: I had to, I had to, that was in 2004. That was three years after Kenny died.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, the emergence of hip hop, not one phone call to come out and do shows. Um, I wasn't hearing the songs on the radio anymore. I figured that was the end of, um, professional music. I still had my home studio and, you know, like people would come in and I would, um, do projects with them. But as far as having a real job and feeding my family, I, I had to get a job. Wow. Yeah. So that's almost done. My sister talked me into that. She's a detective and she actually, her last day of work is February 28th. Yeah. So,
0: okay. So she said, t- okay. But then when you joined the police, did they know who you were? Did they know by
1: intro? A couple of people here and there would would make it out. Like certain places I would work, somebody would come up to me and say something. Or sometimes people would say, you look like the guy from intro. Then <laughs> somebody asked me like, do you dance for intro? I was like, <laughs> you know, like, okay. somebody, somebody asked me that before and then I, I just keep it moving. But, um,
0: but then how is, how's is, how is the life changed? Because you're going from, you know, video soul and, and
1: all this stuff to... It was hard. It was, it was hard. It was, it was hard. It was a little, some, some days I could say it was quite depressing. But, you know, it, it paid the bills. And um, the neighborhood that I worked in wasn't like a, a black neighborhood. So nobody would ever make me out. Like, you know, <laughs> okay. But handcuffs on like, yo, you're buddy from Metro. You know, nobody, yeah. knew, nobody knew me in the area that I worked in. Yeah. Wow. But
0: it, was that more? That seems like a more dangerous job than being in in in, in Iraq.
1: Um, it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. It's it's been it's been uh it's been pretty interesting. Yeah.
0: Wow. So it, it, I guess it's very fascinating that with all the talent and all the music and all the stuff that mm-hmm. and all the royalty checks and stuff. It just it 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 on it, publishing. It doesn't. You know it it there's a, there's a limit to how much what that
1: yeah, can do. You know, a lot of people don't think that you know, when people think that like the recording artists, they think of like Rick Ross, Jay-Z, Puff Daddy. You know, that's the right, that's yeah. the exception. That's the exception. Like 95% of us really need to have real jobs or you know, they're pretty much dependent on other people and or going out every week making money from shows. And unfortunately right now there's no shows. So there's actually some artists that I actually have to help out. You know, I actually send money to artists knowing that one day, you know, they're going to be able to go back out and repay me. But, you know, got to do it. Did, but when you do shows, could the shows cover the bills pre-COVID? Um, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. They could. They could.
0: But but you, your sister advised, look.
1: Medical big. benefits,
0: though.
1: Yeah, I, did, I didn't have medical benefits. Like, I, I have four children. I have three boys and a girl and they yeah. all need medical coverage. So without me having a, a real job, every time they go to the doctor, that's money out of my pocket. So I needed to do it for them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's I not one, like
1: I was a senior in college right now. And uh he goes to St. John's University and that's that's a whole nother bag. <laughs> you know, so I gotta yeah. work and pretty much, you know.
0: Get wow, <laughs> that's what. Oh, okay, I mean that's that's really fascinating. It's, it's amazing. I would that you,
1: love to be able just to stay down here and just don't and that's it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's not that's not the real deal.
0: <laughs> well, and I guess finally, just as we wrap up hmm. after the, the the release of the of the album in June, documentary in March, and you hmm. and you retire from the police force, are you going to try and then start releasing music that you could start earning income from
1: oh yeah it's gonna be on and popping after july 1st friday july 1st (laughs) yeah it's gonna be on it's gonna be on and popping Yeah, i already said i'm gonna have the tour bus parked outside i'm gonna be gonna be on the the road with new members new music everything by that time the documentary would have kicked in the new album would have been out for about a month and then it's gonna be time for me to get out and promote it and i'm ready i'm ready
0: wow Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly, to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview. Loads to come, but thanks a lot for watching.